Hello and welcome to episode 1107 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, October 21st. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. A little tired. I was up late working on some things, doing some articles, updating some ranks, just, you know, I know getting ready. Putting in that work, like I said at the beginning of the month, this is our uh, this is kind of our our chill month, but we ramp it right back up in November. So, you know, that's about uh, a week plus away. Uh, and I know it's not like we've even stopped working; we just kind of maybe been doing a little bit of a lighter workload. But uh, I'm excited to get back into things, kind of full bore. We did take Tuesday off. Um, I forget why. It was Danielle's birthday. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. I was like, Danielle's sick today. She mm-hmm. Her birthday was on Tuesday. So she got for her birthday sickness, which is not mm-hmm. fun. Hopefully, I avoid the same fate. My birthday's on Monday. But uh, hopefully, she's feeling better. And happy birthday to Danielle. But we got to start right away with the biggest news, dude. Christian McCaffrey traded to the Niners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is crazy move. But we're not, we're not a football pod. What we're going to talk about today is something that we're going to have a chance to get even more info on in about that uh, that 10-day period or so, about about two weeks from now, is when we will be in Arizona watching the Arizona Fall League and maybe seeing a handful of these standouts, if not all of them. We're going to talk about 10 AFL standouts right now. And I will say not all of them are performing super well. Uh, there's one in particular whose numbers aren't great, but he's one of the most renowned prospects that I felt like if we didn't put him on the list, people would be saying, why didn't you talk about uh jason dominguez at all so he is on the list but i will say i think he has the the least uh statistical output of this group here but i just want to get your thoughts on some of these guys you know you play dynasty leagues i'm in one but i'm i don't consider myself like a a dynasty league authority in any way you play in multiple i think you're more on top of prospects in general i know all these guys and everything but I like getting your thoughts on them because I know you are deeper in the nitty gritty of prospects. And some of these guys are names that uh, even people that kind of know like the top 25, top 50 pretty well. These are going to be some guys that are beyond that, but they are up and coming. And as we know, the AFL is like a finishing school. So a lot of times the guys that we see in AFL are the guys performing in the majors the following year. And that obviously includes top-end prospects, guys like Buster Posey, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout that we've seen down there, but also guys kind of in the mid-tier. And I know I'm going to say this name. People are going to say mid-tier, but at the time, Mookie Betts was a mid-tier prospect. Mm -hmm. He was not God-tier. We saw Mookie Betts, Brian Dozier, when they were under-the-radar prospects at Fall League, got good eyes on them and said, wow, these are good players. All of a sudden, we're taking them in our drafts, and they became star-level players and superstar in the the case of Betts. So let's start with the favorite place to pick up any hitter, of course. That's Colorado. And uh, they have a prospect who's coming up uh, in probably about six or seven years because I think he's like 22 right now. He's he's only 20, so probably about seven, eight years until we see Zach Veen. He did make double-A this year. Uh, He had a high-A, double-A split, 92 games at high-A, 34 at double-A. He did not do well at double-A, so they're going to give him – a little time here at the Arizona Fall League, and he is crushing it. I think the most impressive thing about what Zach Veen is doing at the Fall League, though, is he has 14 steals in 11 games. And that's the part where I'm like, oh, okay. I knew Zach Veen was kind of a um, power-speed combo type. 
I didn't know he uh, 13 steals, excuse, excuse me, 13 steals in 11 games, 40 at bats. Has a homer. He's hitting 450 with a 540 OBP and a 600 slug. Obviously, the numbers are very inflated, but Zach Bean's been incredible. What do you think about the season we saw from him this year? Like I said, good at high A, bad at, at double A. And do you think he's somebody that we see next year? I know we make our jokes about the Rockies, but do you think that they actually get him to the majors next year, given that he finished at double A this year and he's killing it in the fall league? Zach Veen for the Rockies. Uh, I, I doubt he is up next year. And if it is, it's because be... he's not ready or because of Rockies idiocy. I think a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. The, Zach Veen is a little bit of a conundrum. Um, because you look at the numbers he put up at double A, 11 home runs in 50 stolen bases. High, um, high, A, high, A, that's where he dominated. Oh, sorry, sorry, high, high, A. Um, and then double A, like you said, struggled a little bit more. Strikeout rate was almost 30%. Uh, only hit one home run in 141 plate appearances, stole five bases. Um, and like you said, he's dominating uh, the, uh, the uh, Arizona Fall League. There's a lot of pedigree here, you know, former first-round pick, being in Colorado. I think people need to remember that Colorado numbers are inflated even in their minor league systems True. Um, because they play in some really, really friendly ballparks. Uh, and the the StatCast data uh, that is uh, on him um, is not good. Not uh, good StatCast data for Veen? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and, and kind of the underlying data, uh, for him is not good. Like he, he's putting up the kind of data you would see from a guy who is kind of a league average, no real carrying tool kind of player. Um, so and speed, so it, so the speed is the carrying tool then for Veen. I think it's going to need to be, I thought um, he had more punch. And that's the thing. So, like, you you look at like some you look at like guys who are prospect guys. You know, guys who Eric Loggenhagen who go and watch these games. You know, you see he you see the you know Fangraphs grade, and you go, oh look, he's got some real raw power, and they expect him to tap into you know sixty grade power, like game power. That's really really good, especially when you're in a place like Colorado, which is gonna you know give you a higher BABIP and give you a potential to like have a, a better average. Um, you know, at home uh, than you would probably expect if he was playing in a different park. But mm -hmm. um, the, yeah, the, the exit velocity numbers, you know, that he's been putting up are league average um, or, or, or kind of projected to be league average. And, so and this is, this is pretty alarming for Veen Cause let me give you some color on that at high a, like I said, 269, 368, 439 for his slash. Not bad. 170 ISO, the 11 homers, 50 steals. It gets a little bit worse when you consider that the park factor for home runs in Spokane, Spokane, 173. So the fact that he only hit 11 there and only had a 170 ISO, that's pretty unnerving for Veen. Now, I will say these are 2021 park factors. I don't have 2022. Baseball mm -hmm. Perspectives has not updated them yet. Um, or at least, uh, or Baseball America, excuse me. If they have, I don't know where to find them. I have the 2021 ones here. I doubt it changed that much, though. I doubt the park was completely changed. They don't go around messing with high A parks all that often. So that's kind of underwhelming. 
when you consider how friendly it is to be there. And that's probably why he only put up a 126 WRC plus, which is above average, but it's not great. And the OBP is doing a lot of work there. The 439 yeah. slug, not impressive for Veen. So what are you looking for out of him? Uh, what are you hoping to see out of him when we go there? Obviously, we'll have like a two, maybe three game sample for Lucky. Uh, so we can't can't take a whole lot. But are there any factors that you look for out of somebody, in, 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 in particular Zach Veen here, that you would see and be like, okay, this encourages me or, uh-oh, this worries me even more or confirms some of the fears that we have about Veen? What would you look to see from him in, at the fall league? I mean, first of all, it's it's the ability to make contact. Like, I think that the most important thing that uh, we should be looking for from minor league players isn't power, isn't speed. It's the ability to make contact, ability to not chase out of the zone, uh, you know, a good understanding of the strike zone, which he appears to have. Like, he, yeah. you know, he does walk, uh, but also be able to make good, solid contact inside of the zone. Um you know, these these Arizona Fall League parts, some of them are really small. Like mm -hmm. some some of my could hit some bombs out of. They're, so they're pretty friendly as a yeah. general rule, and that's why there is so much offense. That's why all these guys that we're talking about are hitters mm -hmm. uh, because pitching a they don't usually send a ton of great pitchers, and b they get beat up when they are there because yeah. of, uh, of the the parks. So I want to see like when he does like hit a home run, like what is this like a, you know, like a bomb that would go out at any other park or these fence scrapers, you know, cause I think the numbers, numbers in the minor leagues and numbers, uh, you know, in a place like Arizona fall league can be very um, deceptive. Uh, sure. And um, this is why it's really, really important not to just look at numbers for minor leaguers and start to project forward really like pay attention to uh you know what you know uh, what prospect analysts uh say right Absolutely really read agree. these things like i obviously you know I, i'm pretty in tune on the minor leagues but like not nearly as in tune as james anderson or matt thompson or eric Loggenhagen. Chris like he's got yeah. chris welsh eric it Cross, their, like it's their beat it's their number yeah. one yeah and, and so you have to outsource some of that. Like you yeah. just, you can't do it yourself. Like it's, and, and, and a lot of these guys, these, these prospect guys, they're outsourcing work too, because they can't see all of it either. Right. So like it's they're just working in tandem. Yeah. yeah they're yeah, just, it's real. The relationships help them as much as mm -hmm. anything. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Welsh is in a fortunate position to live in Arizona. He gets to get eyes on a lot of folks mm -hmm. and yet he's still on the horn in chats, yep. talking with people, trying to get info that way. So that's a great call on Veen. Be careful. Tap the brakes here, folks. If you, see I think this is a great time to sell Zach Bean. Yeah. Um, if uh, you know, you know, huge uh, Yuri High A, uh, huge Arizona Fall League. Like this might be the time where you can get the most from him uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, he's still going to be playing in Colorado. Like in, yeah, exactly. he, as long as the Rockies don't Rocky and like don't like just not bring him up. Uh, I think he, uh, I think he should be up in 2024. I think them re-signing Charlie Blackman means like they give, they've bought another year of Veen in the minor leagues, um, and uh, it seems that, like he needs it based on yeah. you know small sample or not based on how poorly he did at Double A. Um, I think you know he needs some time. He could if we see some uh, leaps with the contact rate for Veen. He could get up this year, but I agree with you. I would not plan for it. Thus, I would not draft him in draft and hold. Mm -hmm. No, no, yeah, he's he's not on my list. Okay, let's move on to our next guy here and talk about Heston Kirsten 
for the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, he was like, what, a number four overall pick? Number two, excuse me, number two from the 2020 season coming out of Arkansas. And, um, you know, that this was his first like real year because uh, 2021 he was hurt. I don't recall his injury. I will look that up unless you know it offhand. Um, but a solid two-level season here um, where he dominated at A-ball. But he was 23. Actually, I, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back on that. Not that great of a season here. And this is why he's probably at the Fall League because at Delmarva A-ball for Kirsten, he was – 2.3 years uh, above the average age. So he's beaten up on, on people that he should be way better than. So his 1201 OPS in, in 98 plate appearances definitely takes a hit. Then he goes up to high A where he was only a half year above the, uh, the league average age. And he got, he got his clock clean, 233, 312, 362 for Kirstead. However, he's out here playing quite well in the fall league. Four homers tied for the league lead with another guy we're going to talk about and a robust 352, 386, 648 line for Kirstead. Given that he's only at high A uh, this year, you might think, okay, he's probably not going to be in the majors next year. However, he's 24. I think they brought him to, to the uh, fall league here to be like, you got to make up for the for the you know poor performance at high A because they want to see him in the majors next year. He's going to be 24 years old. So I think he might have a chance to get there almost kind of by force uh, because he's, he's behind the curveball after behind the curveball behind the eight ball after missing the time in 2021. What do you think of Heston Kierstead, former number two overall from 2020 for the Orioles? He's another guy that I think ends up projecting as kind of like a, a maybe a league average to above league average bat. Like again, this is, um, another before guy. You, before you go too far, let me let me add the little uh, extra bit on the park factor. Aberdeen very difficult to hit homers at seventy three mm -hmm. park factor. Doesn't explain away everything that he did poorly there, but I just wanted to give you that before you you went further on Heston Kirsten. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think he I think he is probably like a fifty grade power kind of guy, maybe sixty grade. I think it, a lot of it depends on what they do with his swing. Um, he's kind of got a long swing, uh, which uh, can generate some power, but also generates a lot of swing and miss. Um, and I just, I, I haven't seen anything that says they've reworked it. He's missed a ton of time with injury. I think the first injury in 2021 was a back issue. And then last year um, he had a ham. I know he had a hamstring issue uh, that kept him out for, for quite a while. So, uh, like he's missed a lot of development time. Um, ah, I, I think he's kind of uninspiring. Like, I don't, I don't know that he has like, he has zero speed. Like we're, we're like, he's got one stolen base attempt, uh, in, you know, combined or in both of his spots combined, uh, last year. I just, I don't. I think part of like the hype on him is that he was the number two overall pick. But if people remember, like this was an under slot pick, so they big could, time. yeah, to get other guys like uh, Kobe Mayo was one of the big ones, right? Yeah, and Tate, I think that was that year too. So, okay. um, like, yeah, they were they were trying to get other guys with with you know later picks um, signed for over slot, so they had to sign him under slot, and you know they pretty much said, hey, listen, we'll take you second overall if you sign for less. Um, I don't think he's super interesting long term. I mean, I think at best you're looking at 
um, a guy who could potentially be like an anti Santander uh, on his own team, which is, you know, it's not, that's not a bad player, but like no. that's the upside, like where the I downside really is to that yet either with Kirsten. Yeah. And the, and the downside is he's more of like, a you know, a 15 to low twenties homer guy with a really bad batting average. Um, you know, so. so so he had he had myocarditis that was part of it too. Oh, yeah. that, that cost Kirsten time, and um, it was Kobe Mayo and Jordan Westberg that they were oh, able to Westberg, get. Yeah. Uh, Tate was actually drafted by Texas and then found his way That's over right. to, mm-hmm. um, to to the Orioles mm-hmm. at this point. So, uh, but he was a fourth overall pick himself. So, yeah, I, I I don't I don't see a ton here, and I do think that he's Kirsten's going to be up in prospect lists again, kind of based on that number two overall draft slot. And kind of like a last chance saloon there. I, I think uh, he'll probably fall from the mid 60s rank that he had coming into last year. He wasn't even ranked in the top 100s coming into this year. So I don't even know if he'll be top 100 for 2023. Maybe not. Maybe he hasn't done enough because the double, the, the high aim work was so bad for him. But he is standing out in fall league. Maybe he's finding something, or maybe he's just running hot for 54 ABs. We'll find out. But uh, Heston Kirsten. We'll see what happens. It's kind of a do-or-die season for his uh, for his big-time prospect status. Let's talk Austin Martin of the uh, now of the uh, Minnesota Twins by way of the Blue Jays. He was in the uh, Jose Barrios deal. So Austin Martin, I feel like he's a guy that that had kind of a a blase sort of year that didn't really earn him much attention because yes, he stole 34 bases at double A, but he hit 241 with a 315 slug. He did have a 367 on base, which is why he was still able to get 34 steals because his 12% walk rate, 13% K rate, were getting him on base at a 367 clip, but two homers, 32 ribbies with those 34 steals in 406 plate appearances is pretty underwhelming for Austin Martin. So we flash forward to the fall league here, and he's leading the league with a 563 OBP, which is, of course, insane. It's 38 at-bats, five walks, two strikeouts, a homer, and seven steals and eight attempts. So we're seeing that speed again. We're seeing Martin get on base. Can he be like an on-base steals god for the Twins next year? Is there even a spot for him, though? Because I feel like Royce Lewis and even maybe Nick Gordon – have chances at, at full-time spots if if Correa leaves and an outfield spot opens. Is Martin even in line for a spot right now? I mean, I think he could be, depending on, you know, what they end up doing with other guys on the infield. I mean, obviously, Arise can be uh, kind of a super utility guy. I think Nick Gordon is probably better suited as a super utility guy. So the question becomes, like, how much do they still believe in Jorge Polanco? Um, because I... Think a lot still. He he was fine. Yeah. Um. And uh, well, I mean, I think he was a bit disappointing this year. Uh. But at the same time, Martin like isn't a very good defender at short, so I think he needs to play second base more than likely. Um. Or outfield, right? Yeah. Plays outfield too. Yeah. Or he play outfield, which Kepler will probably be gone. What What do we know about like uh, uh, Trevor Larnark's health? Uh, Kirillov's health. Kirillov's health. Yeah, health. So I think there's going to be avenues if he can continue to show what he's showing in Arizona Fall League and what he kind of showed 
um, in uh, in the minors this year. I know the numbers don't look good, but again, another situation where you don't necessarily want to just like take those numbers hard and be like, well, he sucks. Now the team's going to care about the numbers, right? Sure, but they have other data that they're looking at too. They're not yeah, just looking at the raw and uh, the con- baseball card stats. The contact numbers are really, really good. Um, he's got a really, really good approach. You know, can take walks, can take a lot of walks, um, and he actually makes very good contact in the zone. Doesn't chase out of the zone. Um, I think now. I don't think he's like a true burner, burner. Like I don't think we're ever going to see him be, you know, a thirty-plus stolen base guy. But could he be like a like a a high average um, uh, and you know, 20 stolen base guy, 20, 25. I think so. Um, and uh, I think is he, he is a guy. Is he just a sharp, is Martin maybe a sharp base runner? Cause I agree with, I see what you're saying. Like um, our report on him had 50 speed, which is, you know, mm-hmm. average, but the gaudy, you know, 34 for 39 in double in a, and then the seven of eight so far in the fall league. Is he just a really smart runner then? I, he might be a smart runner. He also might be running on catchers that suck. Like I yeah, mean, and pitchers, right? Both. Yeah, and, again, yeah. To reiterate, in the fall league, you're not getting the best with pitching. Mm-hmm. And and in, in single A and double A, you're not going to yes, get also a great guys point. who are you know and you know. But this is also kind of alludes to what might happen in 2023, anyways, just league wide, because yes. a lot of these leagues have the same rules that we're going to be playing with this next season. Uh, and so, like, guys who are smart base runners, just enough speed, can probably take more bags than they normally would. Uh, I just don't – he's definitely not a burner. Like, he's just not a guy who's going to, uh, you know, be pushed on the base pass except for in really good spots. So, uh, I, I think, like I said, I think he's a good average guy with speed. I don't think he's got a ton of power. I think – you're probably looking at a guy who's not going to hit 20 home runs um, very often at the major league level, but his contact skills are so good. I always want to bet on the contact skills. And so also Martin's a guy I want to bet on. Yep. I get that. When somebody makes that much contact, they take walks the way he does. That's an encouraging profile, especially with the speed component. I do think that Minnesota is going to be interested in giving him a shot. And I think it could be as soon as this year. I don't think he's going to break camp or anything. He hasn't even been to AAA. But I don't know that he has to spend a ton of time in AAA. They are starting to get to a situation where they've got a lot of overlap with different guys like Gordon Lewis and uh, Martin himself that can play infield, outfield, and bounce around. That can be nice, though, to have that sort of utility uh, with everything. So I'm going to keep tabs on Austin Martin. He's somebody I'm not giving up on, even though his minor league numbers haven't been that gaudy, especially after how good he was at Vanderbilt and the hype that came with him from being a fifth overall pick. Let's move on to a little bit more of an unknown name, unless you were kind of following things down the stretch and uh, and what he's been doing in AAA, and that's Matt or in Fall League, excuse me, that's Matt Mervis and AAA, I should say. But uh, Fall League has has definitely earned him some more appeal. He had a three level season at age twenty four for the Cubs, and he smashed everywhere high a double a triple a homers galore add it all up it's 36 homers with a 309 379 606 line 
excellent, excellent stuff for Matt Mervis. And so far in fall league, he's tied with Kirsten for the four homers to lead the league. And he's only needed 31 at-bats, uh, 23 fewer than Kirsten has needed to hit the four homers. He's hitting 290, 361, 742 in um, in fall league. Matt Mervis is a first base type guy. Um is this another Brian LaHare, Frank Schwindel situation? He's not that old. He's 24. He's not Frank Schwindel old. But is this a encouraging situation, or is this the old first-base prospect, which you usually put in quotes because they have to hit so high to really be a prospect? Do you see anything here with Matt Mervis? I see he's been going in D.C.'s already. Are you on the Matt Mervis train? I think I'm going to be on the Matt Mervis train. One uh, – Pretty good contact skills for a guy who's a power hitter, right? And and he has legit 60-grade power, uh, which I think he's pretty, you know, polished and ready to tap into uh, with good con- – not great contact skills, but good contact skills. Um, I think he's pretty interesting because there's an easy opening at first Absolutely. base in Chicago. Like, there's nobody there holding down first base over him necessarily. So – they uh, penciled I think, in Rizzo to their 2023. I, I don't know if anybody told him they don't have Rizzo anymore. Yeah. He's he's penciled in as a 2023 starter. It's very mm-hmm. weird. Very weird. Yeah, stuff super weird. Uh, it's just a ghost of, of Rizzo. Is what <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, I think he could be their opening day first baseman. He's not the type of guy where they're going to hold him down yeah. necessarily to gain the extra service time. Yeah, he's going to be 25. He's not like a top-tier prospect. So I think he is like a really sneaky first base uh, target in deeper formats, draft and holds uh, or NL only, um, you know, even maybe just a dart throw in your last round of like your 15 team mixers. So uh, I think, yeah, I think he's a pretty interesting guy, uh, especially because he's got a very good understanding of the strike zone. He can take a walk and he got better as he went up in levels last year. Like he's, you know, usually what you see is, you know, a guy go to a new level and struggle, right? He's going up against better pitching. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's a little bit tougher environment. There's more pressure on him. But every time he went up a level, he got better and better. And um, that's and the, the impressive stri- part. Yeah. And the strikeout rate just continued to drop because he's good at making contact. He has a good understanding of the strike zone. Uh, so, yeah, Mervis is a guy that I think should be a target. And I don't think it's going to be a super popular one. Yeah, I think so too. It's not going to be an expensive pick. Has he gone in your draft yet? By the way, you are in. I, I doubt it. I'm like round. in the third round um, of <laughs> the know. slowest slow draft. So bad ever. Um, oh man, it's it's really not that bad. It's just no, it's bad. not. But it, it's in comparison to the one I was in with Mike the Mouth, who who really keeps mm-hmm. things going, and I give him a tough time. And I'll always give him a tough time. He'll give me a tough time. But he did keep that sucker going. We had two stopping points, the same two guys. I won't name their name. I'm in a generous mood today. But they were the same people that stopped us every time around. But beyond that, Mike had us, uh, you know, in in part due to his reminding everybody and keeping everything moving, uh, he had our draft cooking. And so – uh, I, I when I saw yours, I was like, "Holy crap!" Mike would have had an aneurysm, even though it's not that bad of a pace. It's just relative to what uh, what Mike was pumping out for us that makes it look bad. But uh, Mervis went in the twentieth round of our draft by one of the guys who held everyone up. So maybe he shouldn't have gotten such a good player because uh, you don't deserve nice things when you literally hold. Wait, he took up. him where the twentieth round. Wow, yeah, that's Mervis really played. early. Let me give you some some first baseman that he went around. In fact, he went four rounds above the next first baseman, which was Luke Voigt, who you know I love. 
Uh, in the 25th round, Harold Ramirez and Jared Walsh went. J.D. Davis, Brett Beatty's a third baseman, but I wonder. I oh, know he won't play first. Uh, they have a guy named Pete Alonso, Paul, you dumbass. And then uh, Joey Votto went in the 28th round. So he went above. Where, where did, like, Torkelson go? The uh, round before, 19th, to me. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that is super early. If he's going in the 20th round, like, I don't think I'm in for that. Because there's no guarantees on the team this year. That's the like, thing. You're kind, you're kind of paying full price, right? Yeah, like, that. that's the kind of price you might have to pay if we knew he was going to make the opening day roster, yes. which we don't know. Um, what, what do you think about my torque pick the round before in 19? I like, I like the torque pick. He is still available in my draft, and he may be a target. Yeah, uh, you're so twenty-two. Yeah. I, I want. I I decide to jump in. Like, there's some guys in my in my first draft that I wanted to let them go and see where they go. Uh, practice you and I have talked about before, but with Torque, I was like, I'll jump him here. I am curious to see if I if I'm over though. If uh, if everyone else is taking him lower, then I can get him even cheaper than that. But I felt 19th round on the Torkelson yeah. back was pretty nice. I, but yeah, I agree. Mervis in, at 20, he needs to be there for you. Like, yeah. I would take Luke Voigt at 24 way over him. And obviously, I was thinking he was going to go like mid 30 rounds. Like, I, um, and that's where I would be interested to try to get him. Uh, I, Murs is not going to be on my board before a guy like Torkelson. Um, Let me give you some for a guy like Jared Walsh. Like, like, I know, I know we don't know what we're getting from Jared Walsh coming off of the thoracic outlet surgery. We don't know uh, what we're getting from Mervis, though, either. Yeah. But here's the thing about like, I know people are going to be really scared of that surgery, but there's like no data on hitters. Like all oh, yeah. the thoracic no, outlet no surgeries idea. have been on pitchers. Like I tried to do research when I heard he was getting, I was like, okay, well, is he a good buyback then? Because people, I look, like, there's no information. Like we have no idea how he's going to respond. So like, uh, but I'll, I mean, we also know that he's hit 30 home runs in the major leagues. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take that gamble over a guy like Mervis who, we don't know when he's going to be in the major league. So no. Walsh is at least going to be ready for this, you know, spring training. Yeah, I, I am surprised to learn that it was twenty. If you had guessed, uh, asked me to guess off the top of my head, I would have said like twenty-five to thirty range. Uh, from not from just remembering where I thought Mervis had gone, but twentieth round is pretty high. What do you think about him compared? I know I know how you're going to feel, but I just want to point it out. Nick Prado, who did not perform that well in his sample, where do you think he went? By the way, what round do you think he went? Uh, I'm going to say 32nd. You're very close, 35th. So how do you feel about that despair? I'll take Prado all day long. Like, Prado's going to play. Like, I, I mean... 15 round difference between those two? Just because Mervis is kind of the, the dream of what could be because he hasn't played, and Prado's already had um, some, some crummy time in the majors? And, like, and, that's nuts. And, I mean, let's be honest about who Mervis likely is. He's likely Daniel Vogelbaugh. Like he's yeah. not, like he, he he's not like um like a, a peak Miguel Cabrera or something. Like he's not like he's not one of these guys that is going to turn into a star. Uh, at least I don't think he is. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, but, right, but like we have to go off the expectation. The expectation, yeah. Is, like, I mean, that, like a Vogelbach takes his walks, yeah. doesn't strike out actually uh, a pretty good bit. You know, pretty good strikeout rate for a power hitter, and, and gets into his power, but is still going to you know. Yeah. Gonna be underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, he's. Not, I I don't think he's a forty home run hitter. Like, I think he's potentially like twenty to thirty, depending on what time of year he comes up. And yeah. with, I think that's like, great. yeah, and so like, I think he's. I think he's interesting. I think he's. I think his potential to be good, but there's a lot of unknowns. And um, I'm gonna take known quantities 
before uh, uh, an unknown quantity like that. You are new into the draft champions world and, and getting into these 50 round draft and holds. Be careful taking too many prospects. There's a, there's an inclination to do so because you are justified to take some. It is a format that will allow you to take a couple, and if you can hit on them, great. But and I'm, when I'm talking prospects, I mean guys like Mervis who have never touched the majors. You take four, five, six of those guys, and it can really go sideways on you. It can yeah. work, too. I understand that. Any any strategy can work with the right players, as we know. But if you, if you constantly take too many – and half of them don't make the majors, and then half of the remaining guys aren't very good, and then you get two or three to pop, unless they pop as like superstars, like it's just not worth it. So be careful over drafting the prospects in draft champions. It can certainly burn you. Uh, I, it might be interesting. Go ahead. I was going to say, I highly recommend if you're looking at getting into the draft and hold um, in that format, uh, which we'll be referencing a lot because it's the drafts that are going on right now. Go and read the series of articles I'm doing right now because, um, and I've already done, I think, seven or eight, maybe even nine of them already. And these are just, it's a breakdown of all my teams and why they were so bad this year, uh, as and I three, mentioned. Three of them are about DCs specifically. Uh, I think five, five or six of them are up right now are, are about DCs. Um, and I talk about like oh, yeah. my. Sorry, you, you label them differently. Yeah. I thought, I thought they would all say DC. You're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. Go ahead. Um, but. One of my main issues was volume, uh, and I think what what you what wins draft and hold leagues is volume. And taking guys that are injury prone, taking guys that are injured, taking guys that are minor leaguers, you mm. cannot take zeros in these leagues and expect to win. It's all about volume. Um, you know, getting starting pitching volume, getting at bats, uh, and guys like Mervis. If he's up day one playing every day, then he can give you volume. But if he's not, you need to make sure you've got volume somewhere else. And it can happen quickly where all of a sudden you mm -hmm. don't have anybody uh, to play at a particular position. Yeah. And it can be very it, frustrating because you're waiting on prospects. What One of the draft modes, and I think it's the next one I'm about to write up, um, I was starting like Eric Sogard at shortstop. No. Even though he wasn't playing in the majors. Uh, that's but tough. I had like Mondesi and someone else as my shortstop. Uh, and then Sogard, I got like one of the last rounds and Mondesi got hurt. And the other, I think Tatis was the other one. And, uh, and all of a sudden now I don't have a shortstop all year. And so I'm taking a zero all year at a position. Yeah. Um, and there was no way I was going to make up that volume. I've been there. I've absolutely been there in terms of, of dealing with, not having anybody to put in or having a very weak option that's going to get like mm -hmm. four ABs in an inning or in a, um, uh, in a week. Let's move on to our next guy here. His name looks like it says Andy Pages, but it's Podges. Uh, is how you pronounce that. Andy Podges for the Dodgers is a very intriguing prospect who I'm actually seeing right now didn't go in my 50-round draft and hold. And I think I think he might be worth uh, one of the last five round picks if you're looking to uh, to go for a prospect. He clubbed 26 homers at Double A this year as a 21 year old with a 236, 336, 468 slash. The 236 definitely bad, um, but a 271 Babbitt probably holding that back a good bit. 25% K rate, not particularly egregious even at Double A, and 11% walk rate. I like that. He did chip in six steals. Podges in the fall league has three homers, which is just one back of, of the lead, 278, 372, 556 in his 36 at-bats. 
What do we think of Andy Podges for the Dodgers? I guess the biggest question would be, is there playing time? But let's focus less on that because you never know how that's going to play out and more on his talent. Do you see him as somebody who could contribute in 2023 should a uh, opening arise for the Dodgers? I don't know. <laughs> Dodgers are uh, a difficult team to kind of figure. I mean, how long did it take uh, Lux to get uh, full-time plate appearances? And he was, like, considered a top-tier prospect. I don't know if the Padges is. Um, he's another conundrum, very much like Zach Veen, where you look at some of the grades that he gets from prospect guys. Like, you go, you go over to Fangrass, and you look at his, you know, prospect grades, and you go – Oh, 70 games or 70 raw power and, you know, and the belief that he will get into that um, at the major league level. Uh, but then you look at kind of the stat cast data and you go, oh, this is kind of ho-hum. You're, you know, looking 50 to 60s in terms of Where are you getting minor league stat cast data? Uh, I cannot say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I could share it with you off air. Uh, but. So, okay, so Padres has had some ho-hum uh, metrics. Mm -hmm. he, had he had 31 homers last year, too, 2021 and high, 31 homers for Padres, 26 homers this year and 571 plate appearances. Let me look up Tulsa real quick. Tulsa Park Factor 97. So he's not exactly just taking advantage mm -hmm. of the home park. Uh, there are a couple hitter-friendly spots in that division or in that league, but also some dreadful ones, Midland, Arkansas, and San Antonio are all 64 or lower for their home run park factor. So I think those almost cancel out the 129 from Springfield, the 169 from Amarillo um, to make it a relatively tough league that he's hitting those homers in. So that disconnect is alarming that his stat cast doesn't quite match up to what we're seeing. But if the raw power's there, maybe it's still just about growth. Yeah. He's only going to be 22 next year for Podges. Um, he doesn't really have a great position. Like he is kind of a corner outfielder, maybe first base DH type, to be honest. Uh, first base obviously is not somewhere you want to look in LA right now. That's pretty locked up with Freeman. So he's looking for like a corner outfield or a DH spot. And again, I don't want to bog down in, will he find a spot? Because we have no idea. It's going to take an injury or something. But if he were to find his way up next year, is Podges somebody that you'd be intrigued by? I think so. Um, one of the big differences between uh, him and like Zach Veen, who has you know the kind of same kind of disconnect between um, his numbers and his grading from from you know analysts who are watching, and then uh, like kind of the underlying uh, numbers, um, is Veen puts the ball on the ground quite a bit. Like he's like a forty to fifty percent ground ball guy, uh, and Podges is like a. 50% fly ball guy. So like he is aiming to get it out. Um, I do wonder if this is going to mean he's going to strike out quite a bit because he's trying to hit it over the fence every time. Uh, but I think there's real potential if that 70 grade power is legit and he can learn how to tap into it um, mm -hmm. at the major league level that he could legit be like a 40 home run bat. That uh, would be something else. So I think he is definitely a guy you take a dart throw on late um you know in uh in a draft and old or a 15 team mixed or, or nl only and just hope that he you know finds his way to playing time at the major league level as much as the dodgers have been a hard organization for prospects to break through on they've got holes and we saw this in the playoffs mm -hmm. right like they and there are guys like 
is Justin Turner going to be back? I don't know. Like exactly. I, you know, is Trey Turner going to be back? I don't know. Like, I mean, not that, think, not that he can but... play there, but other guys like Chris Taylor can, which opens up spots in the outfield. Lux can play there, which would open up a spot in the outfield for a guy like Patches. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to be an interesting situation. I will say this. He, he's not at the Fall League, but the guy I'm actually more intrigued by for next year as far as Dodgers prospects is Miguel Vargas. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I, where I, I was going I, right away. I agree. I think, I think Vargas is uh, – is their best hitting prospect, and I th- and and I think he is going to. If they don't re-sign Turner, it's because they believe that Vargas is ready. Fully um, agree, and, uh, I, and he, I believe he is. Is Vargas somebody you're targeting in your absolutely your, your DCs? Because he went mm-hmm. in the 28th of mine, and that was a bit of a snipe, and it's my fault for waiting. I was I was kind of playing chicken with it, and just that one extra round. I was trying. I was like, "Can he go? Can he get to the?" Whoa! I was going to tell you next. Go ahead. Wow, Bruce Bochi back in baseball as the Rangers manager. I love it. I that makes me sad as a Giants fan. I but, know, but I, um, I I love it for them. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I, I think the Rangers are not that far off from being uh, a competitive team. Uh, they have a lot of really interesting pieces, but what is their pitching? Their pitching is still disaster. The pitching is a bit of a problem. I don't know if I go all the way to disaster. I think I can turn on a dime, um, and not necessarily with like star level pitching. I think their park could help paper over some of the talent yeah. gaps and and give them a decent arsenal uh, of a decent rotation. I should say, John Gray. Of course, I don't think he's the one that we're questioning, but like uh, Glenn Otto. Cole Reagans, I'm still kind of in on both those guys. They could be something. I'm not as much on Dane Dunning. I used to kind of be in on him as like, oh, he could be a nice innings eater type. But even I will say it's not like he he can't be. I'm just not as keen on him as I've been. Um, and you're right. They need to find more. But Jack Leiter, Cole Winter, two guys I'm keeping very close eye on. Mm-hmm. And if they're up doing things this year, I think their window starts to push open a bit. It's still difficult to deal with the Astros for sure. And the Mariners are very good. I don't think they're going anywhere. So that part of it's tough. But I think they might just be a standard, like, um, decent bad team, say, like, mid-70s wins next year, up from 68. And then 24, I think they could really take a jump. But I'm I'm intrigued. Good good move by them getting Boach. I like that pick. Yeah, I, I think it depends. Like, I think they're going to re-sign Martin Perez. Like, that that make would make a lot of sense. I, I think so. Um, like, even in that year. And they didn't trade him. So I think that they were trying to say, hey, we want you here. We're, we're keeping you And they're not the... Here. They're not the Rockies who didn't trade John mm-hmm. Gray because like we want to bring him back, and then he wound up with the Rangers. I think yeah, the I mean they, they'll they're going to give him a qualifying offer. If you're Martin Perez, like you have to take that, right? Like I think you just take the one year eighteen. Cool. And if I'm the Rangers, I kind of prefer not doing them all the year. So, even, yeah, even though eighteen is is pretty high, I think I'd rather just pay him the one year, see how real this is, mm-hmm. and if he has another big season. Then maybe we can talk about a two three year yeah. deal. Obviously, by then he'll be thirty two, and we'll see. But yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the However, question is, can they get anything from Spencer Howard, Otto, Reagans, Dunning, the other – I can't remember the other one you get, guy you mentioned. Colby Allard? Oh, no, Cole, Cole Wynn and Jack Leiter. In yeah, the, and then, and then Cole Wynn. Because, I mean, if you got Wynn and Leiter, there's your 3-4 with Perez and Gray. And now you just need one of those – four guys I mentioned yep. to, or you just rotate them through. I was like, going to say, hey, you, you don't you know. need one to necessarily develop. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some depth there and it's not flashy again. I'm not or, they, or they go to the pen. Like the, the, maybe their stuff plays up in the pen. 
Um, I still believe Spencer Howard is going to be a thing. Maybe I, know I you still like him, and I'm a Reagan's guy, so we're both believing in one of the yeah. uh, lesser pitchers mm -hmm. there. So we'll see what they do. Good move by them, and perfect transition by accident, because I'm sure we both got the notification at the same time. We're going to talk about a Ranger here with Luis Angel Acuna. Yes, he is related to uh, Ron Acuna Jr. I want to say that's his brother or is his cousin? No idea. Okay. Well, they are related. I don't know if it's if it's a brotherly relationship or not. I'll find that out. But let's talk about Acuna because he had a an interesting season split between high and double A. Similar to, uh, was it Kierstead who dominated high A and then sucked at double A? That's what Acuna did. 149 WRC plus at high A with eight homers, 28 steals, and 240 plate appearances. Then he goes up to double A and... Like I said, gets his clock clean. 68 WRC plus, three homers, 12 steals, and 169 plate appearances. I honestly feel like the BABIP is a huge role. BABIP and homer to fly ball rate 416 and 23% at high A, 274, 9% at double A. So it seems like, you know, volatility was kind of driving the high end and the low end. Meanwhile, now he's in fall league, Acuna is, and Luis Angel Acuna has four steals, a, home, a two homers, a 233, 298, 465 line. So his line is not that flashy, but he is running. He has shown some pop, and he's an intriguing prospect. A couple questions here. One, do you think he becomes a top 100 prospect next year, or is he still too far off for that? And two, can he make the majors next year at age 21 for the Rangers, or is it too soon given how poor he was at double A? I think he can become a top 100 prospect, but I think it's like bottom of the top 100. I think you're looking in the 90s. Like, you're not, I don't think he's the guy who's going to break in as like a into the top 50 or top 25 on prospect list. Um, some really interesting things like I think the contact uh, skills have gotten better. Uh, I do think there's more power than like we advertise. Um, you know, from from the StatCast underlying data that, I, that I've that i got, uh, that's mm -hmm. secret and I'm not going to tell anybody. Um, they are brothers, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, however, uh, he did something very similar to his brother, which was hit the ball on the effing ground all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's your Babbitt discrepancies is sometimes they're finding blood and sometimes they're not. Um, and your home run to fly ball discrepancies because he doesn't put the ball in the air very often. So a couple puts times a going over the fence. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. huge bird on his fly balls to go out when they yeah. when he does hit him because they're so infrequent for Acuna. So I, I think, I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to turn into his brother by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he could be a, a pretty decent MLB piece at some point. Um, I just don't know that. I, I think he's probably going to be overpriced. As people start seeing the the maybe the data that I have uh, that I've already seen, uh, and uh, and because his last name's Acuna, like that mm -hmm. always just inflates, you know. Hey, this is the brother of uh, That's a tiebreaker know. that often gets him picked over other guys mm -hmm. who don't have a bloodline. Uh, yeah. And then as far as like top 100, I, again, I don't know where, where he stands. That might be an outlandish question, to be honest. But I wonder, does he have any top 100 juice for this year, you think? Or is Acuna too far out for something I like think that? like bottom of the top 100. So like okay. in the 90s somewhere potentially. Uh, but uh, I don't know that he is ever like a guy who like makes another. Like I think ultimately he is probably a league average-ish player. And maybe a league average fantasy player. Uh, okay. 
I don't know that he has any huge carrying tool, but I think he can do just enough to like be on people's radars for fantasy. Acuna's 94th on uh, uh, James Anderson's top 100. I don't know when the last oh last update two weeks ago. There you go. It's on the site. So I, and so. I think that I think that's exactly right. Like perfect. Think, yeah. And so when you type in Luis Angel, it's all one word. By the way, it um, is. Yeah. At Baseball Reference, it shows up as Jose Acuna. Same guy, but that's his middle name. At our site, it's Luis Angel Acuna. Um, you can put in Luis Angel Acuna at BREF, but it'll bring up Jose Acuna's profile. Just know that that's the same player and you have not made an error. Uh, let's move over to St. Louis because we got two guys to talk about there. Two guys that maybe could have become nationals, but they were uninterested in doing that to secure the services of Juan Soto. Let's start with Jordan Walker. Uh, one of the top prospects in the game right now. In fact, he is fourth on James's list from two weeks ago. He was eighth in our list uh, in the top 100. Crazy power. Had a huge season uh, at AA this year. 306, 388, 510 for a good 128 WRC plus. Maybe huge is overstated. It was a good season in 119 games. He had 19 homers with 22 steals in 27 attempts for Jordan Walker. So far at the Fall League right now, Walker has, let me find his stats, pardon me. Walker is hitting 300, 362, 525 with a couple homers and a steal. Does the 21-year-old Cardinal who finished, who had a season at AA this year, does he make the majors next year in your estimation? Again, I know that, uh, you know, it takes injuries or whatever the case may be. But do you believe that since he'll probably go right to double A or triple A, um, does Walker spend, let's put it this way, does Walker spend significant portion of 2023 in the big leagues? I think there's a chance. The hard part is How it's a chance. That's the hard part. It's the Cardinals, man. It's Is he going to replace Arenado? That's the thing. He's a third like, baseman by trade. I wonder. And a, and a decent third baseman, not like. Yeah. But not Nolan Arenado. But like they were willing to bring up Gorman, and he played much of the season, and he was not a good defender. And they um, but they moved him off. So I'm wondering because Walker's playing outfield at Fall League and played some outfield this year, is that his avenue? Even though outfield's pretty think, deep for them too. Yeah, but it's not as deep. Right? I know that's like, what that's what I'm saying. That would yeah. be an avenue because it has kind of faltered a little bit. Our or not our boy. You decidedly do not like. Carlson, but I'm a Carlson guy, and he did not have a good he season sucks. at all. Yeah. O'Neill, I told he everyone that, that was yeah. the easiest call ever. They the traded away Bader. Trade um, away Bader. So it's like Newt Bar. I don't think they're going to give up on Carlson, but then Corey Dickerson should not be back or anything. So there's some no. room in the outfield. Juan Yepes. Yeah, but um, Walker is a top top prospect and has the talent to push anybody out as far as the outfield. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, th I think if I think if he's ready defensively, then I think there's a really good chance he challenges for one of those corner outfield spots. Where did uh, he go in your draft? I don't think he well, – maybe he has gone. No way. Too. He's still – well, I will tell you where he went in my draft, which would make me surprised if he's still in your draft. He, he went, went really early in your draft. He went in the 13th round. Okay, so he, he is gone. Uh, you said the 13th round? Yeah. Oh, I could probably just search. Thirteenth round in the in the third baseman that went around him. Um, Muncy went uh, in the eleventh round. 
He went then in it, the 18th round. Then, oh, that's that's way better, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so it was Muncie, Walker, Chapman, Rojas, and Bohm. So he went in that group. I, that's too high. I like Walker a lot. I'm taking those established guys. Even yeah. uh, even LeMahieu, Urias, and Rendon went after him, and I would take all those guys above Walker as well. So 18th round makes sense. That would have been after those three that I just mentioned. Um, and I can get I can get behind that quite a bit more. I don't think he'll break camp uh, for Walker. I think he will go down to AAA, maybe spend a month there. But he could spend four or five months in, in the league this year. Uh, that would not surprise me. This guy's an excellent hitter. He has tremendous power, and and has the ability to to make consistent contact. I will say this: twenty three percent K rate at AA, but a sixteen percent swinging strike rate tells me as he moves up both the AAA and then the majors. There could be some swing and miss to Walker's game that's going to cut into that batting average. So be careful getting too drunk on these minor league batting averages that we've seen from Walker. I think it's going to be more in like the 240 range when he first gets there. But with kind of with game changing power, we'll take that all day. And what do you think about this speed component? He's not super fast. He's got a 50 speed rating, but 13 steals last year in 55 games at high A, and then the 22 for 27 this year at double A. Is this just taking advantage of the minors? Or do we see something there for Walker to be a power speed contributor? I think he's probably just taking advantage of the minors. Uh, you look at like Eric Loggenhagen's report on him from back in July. He said he like gained weight and um, you know, and that uh, like his defense looks sloppy and bad. Like I, I don't think this is a guy who's like super fast necessarily, and, and okay. our grade, our grades kind of bear that out. So I. I do think that he's, I mean, he's got a ton of power. Like, he's got legit 80 grade power. Um, I think the contact skills might actually be better than I think other people uh, think they are. Um, and the contact, the zone contact rates in the minor leagues are actually like league average to above league average, which is great for a power hitter like him. Do you think um, the swing strike rate then, because it was also 18% at high, is that him taking A swings all the time to just go yard and not shortening up a bit? Can he improve that, you think, for Walker? I think that's he a, can. That's a pretty high swinging strike rate. Yeah, I think he can improve it. Um, I think it, a lot of it's going to depend on like what, like, can he improve his uh, um, understanding of the strike zone? And I think he did uh, when he got to double A. You you look at like the walk rate went from six percent uh, at high A to ten percent at double A, um, and I think that is a really good sign that he's starting to get a better understanding of the strike zone, uh, stop chasing so much, um, and uh, and kind of wait for it to come in the zone and then take advantage of it. So uh, I, I I like him a lot. 13th round, not so much. 18th no, round, I think he's fine. Yeah, 13th round was a bit crazy. And again, same guy who I was saying earlier that kind of held up the draft. He was kind of a, a little bit goofy there. And I think I think that uh, I, I think that pick kind of shows it, like, yeah. Give me a give me a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's just too high. Well, like, was, I, it I like, auto, was it an auto pick or the actually? No, that's the beauty is that um, every oh. time he went on auto, he would take himself back off to go auto again after the four hours. So it was good, a lot good of guy. Fun. Yeah, we had we had a lot of we had a lot of uh, fun with him. So and there was another one. There was another one on the turn who did that, Justin. So he would have the one pick timeout, take himself off. It, like he would get there at the very end, take himself off, and then sometimes let it run out again. Now there were times that it went bang bang, and and we got his auto, but it was a nightmare. Anyway, enough griping about that. Let's move on to our next guy and stay with St. Louis and talk about Mason Wynn. 
Now, again, both of these guys, I know there was a lot of talk about like Dylan Carlson was the piece that is why they didn't want to do Soto. I think it was because it was on top of Walker and Wynn with Carlson. It was like all three of them, which I understand it's Juan freaking Soto. But that was a lot of prospect capital that they didn't want to give up. Mason Wynn is a really intriguing shortstop. He's got an absolute hose on him. He's made some of the most incredible throws that you'll see over at short. Um, so he can ha handle the position for sure. He had a two-level season at high A and double A. At high A, tore the cover off the ball, 163 WRC plus with a 349 average, 404 OBP, and 566 slug. Just one homer, but he was 15 for 15 on the base paths. Then he goes to double A. The numbers come down a bit where he only had a 100 WRC plus, but he did hit 11 homers with 28 steals in 33 attempts. 258, 349, 432. As a 20-year-old, I don't really have too many problems with that at double A for Mason Wynn, even though it is a big drop from the high A. I feel like that's still holding your own at double A as a 20-year-old when he's one of the younger players there. And so I, I think it's been a great season for him. He's in the fall league now, and Mason Wynn is hitting. 345, 525, 448. Yes, his OBP is significantly higher than his slug because he has 11 walks and five strikeouts in his 29 at-bats with a homer and five steals. What do you think of Mason Wynn, shortstop, middle, in, middle infield prospect for the Cardinals? I think that's who he's going to kind of be. Is I think he's a guy who can steal some bags, um, and I think he is going to hit for a decent batting average. Not great, but decent. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much power, but I think his defense uh, could kind of make him like a, like maybe Brandon Crawford-ish. Um, oh, he got to like that defensively because I know the arm is incredible. What's the, how's the rest of the defense look? Um, I I don't mean like uh, like he's definitely not as good. Defensively oh, you mean just as, like a Brandon like Crawford profile offensively? Yeah, his defense keeps him in the in the line. Exactly. Like he's going to be good enough defensively, and he's got like you said a hose of an arm. Um, that he's going to play every day once he's up. Uh, and I think his, I think he's kind of like prime Crawford, like a guy who's like, he's never going to hit 25, 30 home runs or anything like that. But like teens home runs, he's going to chip in some decent speed uh, and he's going to play every day. Like, I think that's, um, I think he's a fine, uh, like outside the top 100 prospect. Um you know, but one that probably should have a pretty long career um, in, in, in fantasy baseball and baseball. All right. So that's Mason Wynn. Um, you said outside the top 100, James got him 40th. Really? And James is a big fan. So I'm, you know, I'm just saying that. I'm not saying like, oh, I counter you. You were wrong. Uh, we had him 55th. Uh, so a little bit of top 100 buzz already. Uh, and almost top half at both avenues for win going to be eager to see where he winds up you know coming into this year and again that's james's updated list as of the last two weeks let me actually check the board real quick to see uh when finish the season okay the 55 is where he finished the season okay so 55 and 40 on the two outlets for mason win got that speed i love the eye that he has too and like he's not a huge power guy but he has enough power to hopefully not get the bat knocked out of his hands and still keep the uh, the walk rate when he gets up, and that'll keep the steals coming for Mason Wynn. Yeah, and I just, but I think that like the issue with him is playing in St. Louis. Like he's probably got league average power, which plays less than that in St. Louis. Tough in so, that part. That's a yeah. fair, fair point for sure. Uh, but I will say, like Brendan Donovan had a great season. 
I don't think Brendan Donovan is a huge roadblock for Mason Wynn, though. So if he goes to mm-hmm. AAA and has a good first month, he's another guy like Walker that I think we could get four and a half, five months out of in fantasy. So keep tabs on him, and I do think that Mason Wynn is draftable in uh, in the draft and hold leagues. And he went in the – he did not go. Wow. So I didn't even – I should have followed my own advice and maybe considered taking him. But, again, I didn't want to get loaded up on too many prospects. So that's Mason Wynn. we got a few more guys here. Let's continue on. Next up is Jason Dominguez. I alluded to him earlier. He is not hitting all that well in the fall league. I'll tell you that right now. 194, 366, 258. You like the OBP uh, batting average split. tells you he's still taking his walks. He has eight walks, eight strikeouts in 31 at-bats. He hasn't hit a homer yet. He does have four steals. So, you know – we haven't seen too many hits from him, but I like that his eye's been good. And like I said, he's one of the biggest prospects going. So if I didn't name him, I'm sure people would have said, Why, how'd you not talk about Jason Dominguez? He had a three-level season at A-ball, high A, tri- double A. He was at double A for a week, literally five games. So let's not even worry about that. It was bad, but who cares? 134 WRC plus at A-ball, 146 at high A, and then a 59 in the 22 plate appearances at double A. So he'll go back to double A. He's going to be 20 next year. So the fact that he even got there is impressive. Uh, we know the walk rates have been excellent. We've seen flashes of the power. We've seen tons of speed. He's called the Martian. We call them the Zion Williamson of baseball. What do you think of Jason Dominguez? And do you think there's a chance we see him at all this year in 2023? Oh, I don't know that we see him this year. Um, I think he would, yeah, I think, I think, I think he's still pretty raw. Uh, you have, there are all the tools that you want in a baseball player. Um, I think he has, uh, Mm -hmm. I think he, um, or at least in a fantasy baseball player, I don't defensively, I don't know where he's gonna, like, he's going to be a corner corner outfielder. Um, you know, but I, I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's necessarily an awful defender, but I don't think like he's a good one or even average one by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and I think as he gets older, he may end up having to be a DH only kind of guy. Yeah, because he, um, he's already pretty bulked. Like that's oh, why he's called the Martian. Is that you'd never believe he's nineteen? Yeah, he, he's and he's looked like this since he came to since uh, he was signed at seventeen. They were like, yeah. that. That's a child. This, this is this is like one of the like you know the skits you see on like uh, the Little League World Series where like the thirty year old Jack dude like is like you know pretending to be a twelve year old because that's what exactly. it seemed like with with Jason Dominguez. Um, power like you wouldn't believe eighty grade power in the bat. Uh, I think at least average contact ability um, okay. and has a really good understanding of the zone. I think there's one question uh, on Jason Dominguez, uh, and that is, can he raise the launch angle, or is this Yandy Diaz reincarnated? Um, well, with speed, at least, though. If, I, don't, if it, if it did, I don't know how much speed he really has. What like, do you mean? I, I know he's stolen bases. Like I don't know that he is, especially as he ages. Um, that's true, but he's only 20. So even in like three years, he'll only be 23. So like, I think it takes yeah. a while from the age out of speed. I mean, yeah, you know, you're, you're probably right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to take that back. So I'll say, yeah, I mean, I think he could probably at least early in his career, you threaten 20 zombies. That would um, still be tough though, to your point. Like if he is more Yandy Diaz, where he doesn't have the power, um, that we're hoping for, 
then you're really only getting the speed. And then what if the batting average isn't there? That that could go sideways in a hurry. I do agree with you there for sure. Yeah, and so like I like this is one of the here's the thing. I, I think he's I think a bat will be good enough, even if he can't raise the launch angle. Um, you know, uh that I think that that will just mean a better batting average in the way that Yandy Diaz has, right? Because he rockets the ball. Like, so if it's yeah. on the ground, it's going to find holes. Um, and so I think, like, I think he is, I think he's got a pretty safe floor. I know there's some concerns that he could just completely flame out. I don't, I don't believe, I don't have that concern. I think he is, uh, at worst, um, a usable fantasy player long term. And at best, uh, he is Aaron Judge. Okay, that's like uh, that's great power with stolen base potential in one of the best parks to hit in in baseball. Um, so, like, I know it's hyperbolic, but like, I legit think he is a potential fifty home run hitter. Like, I mean, if, yeah. if, if things if we're talking upside, we got to talk about the actual. Yeah, upside. like I think the, I think the ceiling. I don't think there is a ceiling for him. I think he potentially could be Aaron Judge um, and good Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, uh, in fairness, Aaron Judge has never been bad, only injured. Injury, yeah. Injury is the only thing. And, you know, I don't, I don't, as far as I know, I don't think Jason's missed any time with injuries. However, these guys who are extremely muscular mm-hmm. typically are very flexible. We've, I've had this discussion over and over again on these type of guys uh, on the podcast before, like, you know, uh, these guys who are jacked often don't prioritize flexibility and we see now um both stan and judge prioritize it and it's been beneficial to them so hopefully someone is in jason's ear and like hey be flexible let's let's get you that will go yeah a long way for you yeah for for your short and long-term career but is anybody selling jason i'm buying like there's just a hundred percent there's just i mean uh it you know, I, I like I said, I, I've got this 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 data um, uh, that I, I can't like release publicly or, or say where where I got it from necessarily. But um, let's just say it is among the best in baseball on Jason Dominguez. Like it's okay. like that data is uh, elite. That's uh, that sounds intriguing, and I mean, he just oh, I didn't bring up by the way that he's a switch hitter too. So he could take full advantage of Yankee yeah. Stadium, particularly against right-handers hitting that short right field porch, um, and just he could be he could be so special. But ETA looks like twenty-four at the earliest. So while there is some hype and he is in finishing school, uh, doesn't mean he's necessarily going to get up this year. A guy that I always kind of because you know I usually want to go for fall league guys because it is the finishing school. But remember Austin Riley. We were enamored with him, and he didn't show up for two more years. So some guys are there, and they're not going to be in the majors for another year or two, not necessarily coming up that next year. And that could actually be the case with this next guy, too, our last guy here, Jordan Lawler, former number six overall pick back in 2020, back in 2021, last year, in 2021 for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the sixth overall pick, intriguing shortstop, had a four-level season this year, spent a week at rookie ball, six games there, and then went uh, the A, high A, double A route with 44, 30, and 20 games respectively. 
with uh, with mixed results uh, at those particular levels. But again, when you're going four levels in a given season, that's pretty impressive, and that's showing some real um, some real confidence in the young man as well to move him up to those levels and even give him 20 games at Double A, where he he got beat up. But again, being 19 there, I'm not freaking out. He went uh, 185 WRC plus in those six complex league games and then a 166 in the 44 a ball games 140 in the uh 30 games at high a and then a 65 wrc plus in the 20 games at double a so interesting season took his walks everywhere showed the speed everywhere had a, a little bit of pop it kind of it kind of progressively went down as he as he rose the uh ranks which makes sense for lawler but I would say that's a pretty good first year because he only had two games in the complex league in 2021 after being drafted. So great debut pro season gets to go to fall league as well, where he has four steals and two homers with a 265, 457, 529 line has 11 walks. I will reiterate one more time. The pitching not so, so great at the fall league, which is why you're seeing so many high walk totals here too. But Lawler has to be, you know, with the green arrow next to him, you got to be really encouraged with what we've seen this year. How do you feel about Jordan Waller? I think he's not up until 24 at the earliest, but are you impressed by this first pro season, which is going to actually include five levels now, if you consider fall league its own level. Here's the thing. Um, I know you said you don't expect him to be up until 2024. I don't expect him to be up for a long time until 2024. The Dimebacks have been aggressive on sure. these prospects, and he is ready defensively. Um, that part is definitely true, yes. Uh, and he's supposed to be a plus defender. Um, so, I, you know, if the Diamondbacks go, hey, maybe the Perdomo experiment is over. Uh, wouldn't this have the risk, sorry to interrupt you, but wouldn't this have the risk of being the same? Because Perdomo got the full season because he can mm -hmm. handle the middle infield. But, oh, my God, could he not handle the bat? He got 500 play players. I like that they just gave him a chance, though, right? Yeah. But he put up a 58 OPS plus. Yeah. So is that not a similar risk for Lawler then? I think he. I think Lawler is a, has better contact skills than okay. uh, Perdomo. Oh, Perdomo. Uh, okay. And... Um, I, I know that the numbers got worse and worse and worse each level that Lawler went up. We also got to look like he had um, a 259 Babbitt at double A. Like yeah. that is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Plus, he really has a really good understanding of this where the strike zone is. So, like, I think that double digit um, walk rates at every level. Yeah, I, I think he's going to get on base. And I think when he gets on base, he can steal bases. Um, but I think that has to be what he is because I don't think there's a ton of power. Arizona's not a great place to hit for power. Um, I, I think that he is probably like a mm, like teens home runs in a full season uh, with like a two sixty two two yeah two sixty batting average and twenty five stolen bases. That plays all day. Yeah, I mean, but and a good defender, good defender that's going to play every day. So um, kind of like what Acuna did this year. Acuna had 15 homers, 29 mm -hmm. steals, and a 266 average. Yeah. You're saying Lawler can kind of be something like that, uh, or or even better since middle infielder, middle infielder, Tyro Estrada, 14, 21, and 260 this year. Yeah, a better defensive version of Tyro Estrada. Yeah, I think okay. that's it. 
Yeah. That and that would definitely work. And and you're not wrong to point out that, like, yes, they are pretty aggro. So maybe he even gets a cup of coffee in 23. We'll have to keep tabs on Jordan Waller. And now let me ask you just to pivot back to Perdomo for a moment. I don't know where how you felt about him coming into the year. Love Perdomo. Okay, so is he somebody that you're gonna buy back in on? Because he's off the radar, right? People are gonna look at those numbers and vomit. Whereas I take a little bit of encouragement from it because they committed to him for 500 plate appearances. I'm wondering, am, am I out of pocket? I, you just said you love him, though, so I don't know that you're going to give me the counter to it. But, like, that's encouraging, though, that they committed to him, even though he wasn't hitting that well. Um, so how do you feel about Perdomo for, like, drafting holds this year? He's a switch hitter, shortstop, and uh, I feel like he's somebody who could have a little bit of upside. I mean, he can't be worse, right? 58 WRC plus is pretty horrendous. Do you like Perdomo for 2023 as as a deep league type of pickup? Yeah, because I do think he's going to play every day until they bring up Lawler. And they may not bring up Lawler. Like, Lawler, Lawler could struggle. Um, he could, uh, you know, they could just think he's not ready offensively and needs to uh, learn more. And Perdomo's, like, he's no slouch of a prospect. Like, he was considered no. a top 50 prospect at one point. Um, and he makes a lot of contact in the zone. We're talking about a guy like 89% zone contact rate. Like, that's really, really good. 7% uh, swing strike rate and 10% walk rate. Still yeah, got his walks. The problem is he puts a lot of it on the ground, and he doesn't have a lot of power behind it. Yeah. Um, and so he either needs to hit with more authority, um, or he needs – Yeah, or he needs – and probably what he does need is try to lift the ball. So those ground balls are kind of flares as opposed to – um, just grounding out to wherever. So uh, I think there, I don't, I don't think I'm done with Perdomo by any stretch of the imagination. I do think he's on notice. Like I think he needs to hit this year. Sure. Um, and I think he, you know, if he starts off the year getting 200 through the first two or three months of the season, then like he's going to lose his job to Lawler. He, he got to. Yeah. And maybe in the short term, it would be to Sergio Alcantara Mm -hmm. uh, if they didn't think Lawler was ready yet, but I like Perdomo. Uh, I actually drafted him in this, in the, the draft that I did 34th mm -hmm. round figure. Why not a guy who's going to get an opportunity I, volume. So again, yeah. again, there's this, this is the volume thing, right? Like you, like, I think a lot of times people with those late picks and these drafting holds, they go upside, 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 upside. I'm going to guy who like, maybe doesn't have a role, but, and you can take a few of those, but yes. you can't, you can't load up on them. Uh, but a guy like Perdomo, like become super valued in the same way that like Elvis Andrews was a huge for people in like the 40 round yep. this year because of what he ended up doing volume wise at the end of the season. Um, because there's no and, and, pickups, you're going to lose guys injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And Andrews popped off, but even if he had just been like playing every day, there was value in just being that it turned yeah. out that he goes to the white Sox and absolutely dominated. But even as the Oakland guy who was a league average, he was 96 OPS plus with eight homers, seven steals that had some value just by mm -hmm. virtue of playing. And that's why I took Perdomo under that same sort of vibe. And hopefully he can take a little bit of a step forward. So 10 guys, there. Zach Veen for Colorado, Heston Kierstead for Baltimore, Austin, Mark, for Minnesota, Matt Mervis for the Cubs, Andy Podges for the Dodgers, Luis Angel Acuna for the Rangers, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn for the Cardinals, Jason Dominguez for the Yankees, and Jordan Waller for the Diamondbacks. Ten interesting prospects. Hopefully we get to see all of them in a couple weeks. We'll be in Arizona hanging out. Justin, great talking with you. Go take care of Danielle on her birthday week. She's unfortunately fallen ill, but I hope she does well, and I hope you have a great weekend.
you too, buddy. And, and happy birthday. Birthday coming Thank up on Monday. Thank you. I'll be 41 so I can no longer say, I'm a man, I'm 40. But I, I milked it all year. I was yeah. Mike Gundying the hell out of things anytime it came up. And even when it didn't fit, I just wanted to say, I'm a man, I'm 40. That's such an old reference now, by the way. I feel like I know. don't even get it. It, it. I'm realizing, like, I already know I'm ancient. But just some of my references now, I'm just like, God, like Seinfeld references are outdated. Like that obviously they, they still hit with the people who watch, but like there's a certain contingent that's like, what? Mm -hmm. I, I don't yeah. know. What I mean. well, it's sad. Yeah, but getting, anyway. getting older sucks. I mean, it's, it, it, it I feel like nobody talks about it either. Yeah. I feel like more yeah. people should point out how much it sucks. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm approaching 40 myself and, and my wife and my children like to remind me of how old I am. Uh, and uh, I don't appreciate it. It's stupid. I, I have not only my girlfriend, but uh, we, we often voice our dogs, and Shaw roasts me for being old all the time, too. Cause yeah, yeah makes she's, sense. A, she's a sassy little dweeb. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, have a great weekend. We'll talk Tuesday. Take it easy.